because next weekend we have a guest speaker. And uh, our guest speaker's name is Mundo Meneses. Mundo's a great, great man of God. He is a friend of ours who uh, is on John Siebling's team in Memphis, Tennessee. And um, his grandfather was a general in the Nicaraguan army. He's got some great stories. But they fled. They came to uh, the U.S. And he's a great... Um, He's a, a great uh, communicator. We're blessed to have him with us next week. Here's a short message from him. I think we have it on video, a short message just for you to get a, a feel of who he is. It's coming now. Here we go. Hello, Church. I'm Pastor Mundo Manessas here at the Life Church of Memphis. I love your pastors. Pastor Jonathan and Diane Wilson have always been such a blessing to us here in Memphis. And I can't wait to be with you next weekend. I really feel God's put a word in my heart and spirit that I know will encourage you. Yo sé que Dios es tan fiel y tiene tantas buenas cosas para nosotros en el futuro. Can't wait to see you. God bless y'all. Para todos los que hablan el idioma celestial. Um, so anyway, I want to encourage you to come next week. Hey, next week daylight saving starts or ends? Starts. Okay, clocks go forward one hour. Hey, is that going to stop us being in the house of God? No. Uh, you just try and go to bed an hour earlier. Your clocks will be, be here. It's 10 o'clock. Come on. 10 o'clock in the morning. That's like, uh, be here uh, on time. Come and have a cup of coffee. Uh, meet Mundo. Uh, he's with a friend also uh, who's going to be coming with him, Johnny Hill. You're going to love him as well. And uh, bring your friends. An opportunity to bring your friends. Bring your in-laws, outlaws. Bring people in from the highways and the byways. Let's be here. And let's believe God that people will come to Christ. Uh, if you have Spanish speakers in your world, bring them also. It's going to be a good time together. All right. Today we have a special lunch straight after the service from, uh, from uh, uh, 11.15 through to 12 o'clock. So it's just, you know, you're going to be 12 o'clock. You can head home. Um, and uh, so one hour service, and then straight after that, we're going we're gonna to give you lunch. It's called a generosity lunch. What's a generosity lunch? It's a free lunch. And uh, we're being generous. And so we'd love you to join us. We want to share about how many of you believe that what you, the resource and finance that God has given to you can be used for a greater purpose beyond yourself? We want to share a little bit about how we can do that and how we can do that collectively because collectively we can do a whole lot more than we can on our own. Um, so we want you to join us there. It's going to be a good time together. And before we do that, I'm going to ask Michael Elman to come. And while Michael's coming, uh, I just want to share a little bit about what is, uh, you know, obviously we're in the middle. We're at part three of our Worry-Free Finances series. And like I've said, I am not, uh, this is not a, uh, these are not a series of financial planning messages. I'm not a financial planner. But they are about, 
I do know what the Bible says about finance. I know what the Bible says about money, and I know how to align my life to God's pattern. In, in, that's one word that I, I have to roll the R in, otherwise you won't understand. God's pattern uh, for each and every one of us when it comes to our finances. So, But Michael uh, is going to be sharing a little bit about what's coming up so that we can give you some practical tips on how to manage your finances. Okay, thank you. Uh, who would like to be Mother Teresa? That's a powerful, it just brings me to tears every time I see that. Okay, um, somebody, I think my father told me there's no such thing as a free lunch. Well, I'm here to, I'm here to prove him wrong. We're, as Pastor Jonathan said, we are having a free lunch, uh, generosity lunch, after, uh, after our service today. And for coming to that lunch, we're also going to give you the book, Worry Free Finance for Free. So, um, but what I want to talk about is as a follow-up to our series of Worry Free Finance, uh, about four years ago, we had a course called Finance Forward. And we're going to start that up again, uh, starting this Thursday the 10th at 7 o'clock. And for those people who are watching online, it'll be here in the store. In the, in the store. I'm going back to my Macy's days. Uh, <laughs> it'll be here in our church. And uh, I'll be uh, conducting the, the first of a series. It'll happen uh, every th one Thursday a month. This coming Thursday, 7 o'clock p.m. till about 8.15 in the multi-purpose room. Uh, this week I'll be talking about creating a budget, uh, creating an emergency fund, and, and tips on saving. I'm also open to suggestions on any type of topics you'd like to cover. Everybody's more than welcome. Bring friends. You don't have to be part of Newport Church uh, to come to the class. We'd love to have you come and we'll be conducting it. Uh, we'll be putting the calendar out on our website on future classes, and I just wanted to let everybody know that we're starting up Finance Forward. Hope to see you there this Thursday. Thank you. Is that, Michael, is that this Thursday or the following? I think it's the following Thursday, isn't it? It's this Thursday. I'm sorry, did I say the 10th? What's the <laughs> It's the 6th. We were going to do it on the following week. Sorry, my mistake, yes. Okay, so the week, not this Thursday, but the following Thursday. All right, no problem. Just wanted to make, just make sure we got the right day. <laughs> we call him, actually, we call him the Rain Man because you can ask Michael anything, you know. I told him he should start a TV show, Ask Michael, because if, if ever I want a question, ask Michael. My car wasn't working this morning, and Di doesn't know this, but I could only, uh, for some reason, the... Um, traction control wasn't working and, and so I was driving here 10 miles an hour uh, so I thought I'm going to get there eventually if I just keep going but what, I, what did I do? I called Michael because I wanted to ask Michael if your traction control goes he's the man you ask so anyway yeah, we should call it we should call the, the class ask Michael um, alright so I want to share, uh, I'm so glad that you're here today in church. This is part three of our Worry-Free Finances series. And uh, if you remember, we talked in our first week about how um, Jesus said, don't worry. Well, how many of you know that's easier said than done? Some of us are worriers by nature. We are worry warts. We, we worry about everything. If we're not worrying, we're worrying about the fact that we're not worrying. And uh, the Bible, uh, the, the word worry actually comes from an old English word which means to strangle or choke. And so worry literally strangles or chokes the life out of us. And Jesus said when it comes to 
our material needs, he said, don't worry. Uh, because how many of you can add a day to your life? How many of you can add a, a, a cubit is a foot and a half? I wouldn't mind adding a foot and a half to my stature, but how many of you can add, how many of you can add a, a cubit, a foot and a half to your stature by worrying? No, of course not. We know that actually worry is not going to add days to our life. Worry is going to take days away from us, both in, in that we lose the, our quality of life, but also it affects our length of life as well. We don't want to worry ourselves into the grave. So Jesus addressed this problem and he told us not only that we shouldn't, don't have to worry, he told us how not to worry. How many of you are glad he, he, <laughs> you know, sometimes someone says, don't worry. Yeah, well, that's all right for you to say. But Jesus tells us how not to worry. And this is the key verse to it. He says in Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now, that's a powerful, powerful statement because within that statement lie the secrets of the kingdom of God. And if we dig and we looked how there are three important words that we find throughout the book of Proverbs, which is a book on wisdom, they are, first of all, knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. And, and Solomon, who had, it says, knowledge, wisdom, and understanding as the sand on the seashore, he had so much. Uh, knowledge, understanding, and wisdom are the key to experiencing worry-free finances. What does the Bible say? What does the Word of God say about how to live worry-free? I want to preface what I'm going to say with the fact that how many of you know when something goes wrong, you need to go back to the beginning where it went wrong before you can fix it? And so if we go back to the very beginning, in the very beginning, Adam and Eve, uh, we read the story about how they sinned in the garden, and God said this. God said, because you didn't listen to Adam, because you did not listen to me, and I, I, I don't want to dwell on this, but you listen to your wife, but let's not get on to that. Uh, because you did not listen to me, but you listened to Eve. Now, we're not, we're not blaming Eve here, okay? This is a human nature. Human nature is that sometimes we don't listen to God, but we listen to everyone else. The only other person Adam had in his life was Eve. And, he, and so God said, because you didn't listen to me, that's the main point of this. Because you didn't listen to me, therefore, from now on, you're going to till the ground and you're going to reap thorns and thistles and you will till the ground with the sweat of your brow. And on top of that, in between the lines, God said, and you're going to worry about lack. Worry about lack and worry about having not enough has been man's problem from the very, very beginning. But if we look at the Gospels, Jesus, we find multiple stories in the Gospels about how when people did what Jesus told them to do, they experienced miraculous results. So I, I 40 years ago, 40 plus years ago, when I accepted Christ as my Savior, I made a decision way back then, whatever Jesus tells me to do, I'm going to do it. And when we read the first miracle of Jesus was in Cana of Galilee where he turned water into wine. When they ran out of wine, the stewards of the, of the celebration went to, went to Jesus' 
uh, mother and said, we've run out of wine, um, and Jesus, uh, Mary, Mary, Jesus' mother, told them, whatever Jesus tells you to do, do it. And what happened was, there was a miracle that ensued. When Peter was, had been fishing all night and caught nothing, Jesus said, launch out into the deep for a catch. And, Jesus said, we, and Peter said, we fished all night but caught nothing. And he said, nevertheless, at your word. When the disciples were fishing after Jesus' resurrection, they'd fished all night, caught nothing, and they saw a stranger on the shore, didn't know it was Jesus, who called out to them, cast your nets onto the other side of the boat. They cast their nets onto the other side of the boat. Guess what happened? On the other side of the boat, there was a miraculous catch. All because, all these stories, because what? They did what Jesus told them to do, despite their rational reasoning. So if I want to experience worry-free finances, if I want to experience peace, which we talked about on week one, if I want to, speak, if I want to experience provision, which we talked about on week two, then I need to be doing what Jesus tells us to do. A couple of things before I move on to purpose in our finances, and all of these are interconnected. Last week, I talked about the principle of the first. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom. Everything that is first belongs to God. So in the Bible, the firstborn was to be dedicated to God. Um, the first fruits were dedicated to God. In the Bible, it talks about the first tenth, the tithe, the first tenth of everything that comes into our life belongs to God. And last week, I talked about the tithe. And here's the main point that we need to understand. When I give my tithe to God, which Di and I do, have done, I've done it for 40 years. When I give my tithe to God, um, I give the first tenth of everything that I receive. Before I give to Caesar or to the IRS or to Uncle Sam. First, 10% of everything uh, gross that comes into my life, I tithe. And I know, I don't just believe, I know from personal experience that the other 90% that I'm left with always goes further than the 100% if I kept it back for myself. Why? Because God promises that if we give the first to him, he will bless the 90%. Now, let me ask you a question. What goes further, 100% that I'm left with myself or 90% that's blessed by God? 90% that's blessed by God is always going to go further. Can I please hear this very respectfully? It's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. If someone said to you, hey, give me 10%, and your investment of 10% is going to give you greater return than if you tr handle a 100%, what would you do? You would know you would give them the 10%. I want to read this from the book. If you come to the lunch, you'll get this because this is really important. Um, it says here, many people know Sir John Templeton uh, as the billionaire founder of the Templeton Group of Mutual Funds. In 1999, Money Man magazine called him arguably the greatest global stock picker of the century. What many people don't know 
is that his faith played a significant role in his life career. He dedicated his life to giving and helping others. Templeton is estimated to have given away over $1 billion over the course of his life. And uh, one, and here we go, um, Templeton called tithing the single biggest, the single best investment anyone can make. He said, tithing always gives the greatest return on your investment. He was committed to the principle in his own life, but he also advocated in the lives of others as an essential ingredient for a happy and successful life. This is what he said. I have observed 100,000 families over my years of investment and counseling. I always saw greater prosperity and happiness among those families who tithe than among those who didn't. So the first principle is basically if I trust God with that first 10%, he'll bless the other 90%. Can I ask you what happened when the small boy uh, had his lunch stolen by the disciples? No, he gave his lunch to the disciples. Jesus took the five loaves and the two small fishes and he blessed them. And when he blessed them, the five loaves and two small fishes were multiplied and fed 5,000 men besides women and children. That's what happens when God blesses what we give to him. So that's the first principle. Second principle is offerings. Offerings are what we give over and above our tithes and offerings. So uh, when we give our tithe, that's not an offering. We're giving to God what belongs to him. That principle is seen in Leviticus 27, uh, and the book of Leviticus, where God says, you may not offer the firstborn lamb because the Lord already owns it. Think about that. You may not offer the firstborn lamb because the Lord already owns it. In other words, it's already mine. You can't offer what's, what's, what's mine. But what we offer is over and above our tithes. So when we give our, uh, to our vision offering... That offering is designed to be over and above our normal tithes, to be a vision offering that can make a difference in people's lives. The tithe is what's used for running the church, for the responsibilities of the, of the, of the church, for the bills that we have, for the building costs, and all that is associated with that. But the offering then enables us to do the extra that makes the difference between the ordinary and the extraordinary. Does that make sense? So then there are offerings. Now I want to talk about the third principle, which is to do with purpose. The third principle is a principle, is the principle of margin. How many people here feel like you don't have enough margin in your life? Whether it's time. You know, how many of you feel like sometimes you're trying to put, uh, uh, you know, 15 pounds of dirt into a 10-pound bag? It doesn't fit. You know, you're trying to put 36 hours into 24 hours. You don't have enough time. We all live in a world where we don't have margin. And God wants us to live with margin because out of the margin, we can do things that are exciting, things that enable us to, to, to do more than we would otherwise be able to do apart from uh, just the necessities of, of life. So 
This is what God said to the nation of Israel when they went into the land. And margin has all to do with having enough left over in our life to help others and to make a difference in our world. This is what God said. He said, when you, Leviticus 19 and verse 9, Leviticus 19 verse 9, when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. So what God was teaching was a principle of margin that if we live with margin in our lives, if they lived with margin, basically what that meant was when they reaped the harvest and there was grain left or there were grapes that were left that uh, they didn't go over them a second time. They left that margin so that they could help others that were in need. So God established this principle uh, so that there would be a consciousness, an awareness that God created us to have not just enough, but to have more than enough. How many of you know when Jesus said, asked his, told us to pray, give us this day our daily bread? What did Jesus mean by that, that we're only going to eat bread? Well, I'm not eating bread at the moment. And that we're going to eat we're only going to eat, no, or that we're only going to have enough bread for the day, so we're going to live hand to mouth, so that we're going to have to live day to day, so that we're going to have to scrape the barrel and, and pray. No, what Jesus was saying, give us this day our daily bread so that we have enough for ourselves, enough for our families, and enough to share with others. And so the principle of margin is that God wants us to experience margin in our lives so that we have enough to be able to share with other people in our world. And, and um, I want to ask you this question. And, and if you're a younger person, imagine as a younger person. I only learned, I, I, I came to Christ when I was 60, when I was, I'm 60 now in my 60s. I came to Christ, I'm 120 years old, in case you didn't know. I am like, uh, what's his name, Benjamin Button. Uh, just call me Benjamin. I came to Christ at the age of 23. Many of the principles that I've learned and many of the principles that I'm sharing with you are principles that I've learned later in life. But as a young person... If I had learned as a young person to live off 70% of my income, think about it for a minute, and I tithed the first 10%, I invested the next 10%, and then I had 10% to give or to save, my finances would be in a very, very strong place especially because the compound interest on the investment over the last 40 years would be significant. We live with our credit cards, and I don't want to get into Michael's uh, realm, but we live with our credit cards enabling us to live beyond our means so that what I said last week, when our, when our outgoings exceed our incomings, our upkeep becomes our downfall. In other words, tithing is not a, a solution to lack of financial wisdom. 
Does that make sense? You, tithing is a principle that we put into place, but it doesn't ma- mean that we throw common sense out of the window. We can't just tithe and then spend more than come. So we need to have wisdom. And when we have wisdom, we can build margin into our life. How many of you know that when you're running, racing the clock, you know, like, you're like the rabbit in Alice in Wonderland. I'm late, I'm late for a very important date. No time to say hello, goodbye. I'm late, I'm late, I'm late. Remember that? Because we haven't built any margin in to our, 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 our time. So we're always running late. We're always chasing, our, chasing the clock, trying to beat the clock. So building margin into our life. And out of that margin, we're able to be generous. Because margin gives us an ability to, to, to share with generosity um, in a way that we wouldn't otherwise be able to do. And I've just discovered my last page of notes is missing, but that's okay. Um, so God has a purpose for blessing us. God has a purpose for blessing us. There are three modes of living. Survival, success, and significance. And God's will is for us to live beyond survival and beyond su- success insignificance. Every one of us knows what it is to be in survival mode. You know that feeling when you're feeling choked, when you're, when you're struggling and we're, we're struggling to survive. And it could be in any area of our lives, but also with our finances. You know when that bill comes in and you think, how on earth am I going to pay that bill or that expense, that unexpected expense? And so we all know what it is to live in survival But we're often thinking, well, I want to get to the place where I'm successful. But when you arrive at success, we find that success is not enough. Success doesn't satisfy us. Success doesn't satisfy our soul because God wired each one of us for significance. And God said to Adam and Eve at the very beginning, I I wired you for for significance. I said... You shall be fruitful and multiply. That's, that's success. But then he goes on to significance. And you shall have dominion. In other words, you shall exercise and bring my rule and my kingdom and my kingdom dominion to the earth. And you shall subdue and subjugate your spiritual enemy, the devil. And so God talks about success, but then he talks about the purpose of success. The purpose of success is significance. Michael, who's a great friend of ours and a great part of our church and, 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 and does so much for the life of the church, worked for many years. You heard him. He had his Freudian slip up here where he talked about the store. Um, well, we are a storehouse, so you were close. Um, but he worked in Macy's for four decades, wasn't it? Or, and, and was very, very successful. And he, he retired, uh, how many years ago is it now? Like three years ago he retired. And when he retired, his, all his friends were saying, what are you going to do? Are you going to play golf? And, and, and Michael said, no, I want to do something that's significant. I want to volunteer in my church. And he had in his heart that he wanted to spend the latter t- part of his life doing something 
more significant than the success that he had had. And he was very successful. And so um, he asked me to come at, when they did his farewell at Macy's. And I, was, I had the privilege of coming and they asked me to speak. And I, I talked about significance and how he wanted to live his life beyond success in the realm of significance. And since that time, Michael has, you know, many of you will know, he devotes many, many hours of his time, his wisdom, his experience to the life of the church, for which we're hugely grateful. And he is living in that significance that he wanted to have in his heart so that he could uh, reach, his, uh, reach his generation. And so our, our, our success Maybe we experience success for our family, success when it comes to our own lives. Uh, God purposes our success so that we can be significant. And here's what God said to Abraham. God said to Abraham, I will bless you. And here's the other part. And I will make you a blessing. And in and through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. How many of you know that God doesn't just want to bless you, but he wants to make you a blessing? So that in and through you, all the people in your world, all the people in our world as a church community, all the people in our city and beyond can experience the blessing of God so that we can be a blessing. And in the book of Galatians, uh, Paul talks to the Galatian church and he says them the blessing of Abraham was not just for him and for the Jewish people but for all of you and all those who are descendants of Abraham through their faith. So the blessings of Abraham when we read that when I read Genesis 12 and and I read that that this is what Paul said to the Galatians when I read Genesis 12 and I, I read that I will make you a great, I will bless you and, I will, and you will be a blessing. I receive that as a promise of God for my life. I want to be a ble blessed so that I can be a blessing. Have you heard this phrase? If God can get it through you, he will get it to you. Think about it. Now, if you had a big field... And you wanted to get a bumper crop from the field. Would you give the seed to sow the field to someone who was going to grind it and use it for their own personal consumption? Or would you give it to the person who was going to sow the field? Of course, we would give it to the person who was going to sow the field. Which is why in 2 Corinthians... Paul says that God gives us bread for food and seed to the eater. No, and seed to the sower. God gives seed to the sower. And so if we want to receive seed, then we need to understand, I want to, receive, I want to have bread, nice Italian bread. I want to toast it and rub it with tomato and garlic and put bruschetta on it and some uh, nice basil. Oh my gosh, I'm getting hungry now. I hope we're having that for our generosity lunch. I want bread. Give me bread. But I also want seed to sow. 
Our time is drawing to an end. I want to share a little story with you. And this is not, this is just something, some seed that I was a part of sowing. Many years ago, um, when I was in Australia, part of my role was overseeing our church planting program from our church in Australia. And we had a goal to plant 50 churches around the world over a five-year period. And in every country, we had what we called a key man. And through that key man or that key person, we were able to work in that nation. And one of the countries that we were working in was Ghana. And I had a great friend called Davis Freeman. He even named one of his sons after me, Jonathan, wise man. And uh, he, he was planting churches there. And he'd planted many churches. And we'd worked with him in planting many churches. And one of the things that I had always thought was, I want to do, we want to do everything we can, not just to support them financially, but to empower them so that those churches could be self-supporting. We didn't want to be just giving a hand out. We wanted to be giving people a hand up. And so at the time, I had a great friend whose name was Lee Coleman, who worked, in opportunity, who worked with Opportunity International, an organization that were involved in microfinance, small loans to uh, poor, the poor and the marginalized and training to help them start small businesses and become self-sufficient. So I thought to myself, I can remember exactly where I was. I was north of Sydney and I was at a roundabout and I can remember it was like this thought dropped into my heart. What if we partnered with Opportunity International with my friend Lee and we, we started a job creation program in Ghana? And so I talked to him and we went through a long process. It was difficult to kind of get it across the line because we were working outside of the box. But we did a fun run and we asked everyone to run five miles and uh, get sponsored for that. And we to raise funds for uh, the seed finance for the capital to start our job creation program in Ghana. And we raised $15,000. I'm talking 1993, 1994. So it was more worth more than, than now. Um, we raised $15,000. And then Opportunity International said they would match every dollar, I think, 10 to 1. So that was a 165000 And then we went to the Australian government. And the Australian government gave us money. And then the U.S. government gave us money as well. And then we had the seed money that we were able to go to Ghana and we went, I, I traveled to Ghana with uh, Larry Reed, who was the uh, national, international director of Opportunity International. We interviewed some Christian business people. We appointed a well-known uh, Christian leader in, in Ghana, Kwabena Dako, to be the chairman of the board. And we started a job creation program. And over the following years, I was able to visit it and, and as a result, that program now, 1994, through, is 28 years old. And over the years, they have literally given out millions of loans, multiple millions of dollars in loans. And a country at the time, I don't know, the population of Ghana now would probably be 30 million. But probably, I would say, a, the vast majority of people in Ghana have been impacted by those loans because every loan given impacted five people. So somehow, God enabled me to be a part of something. And now, I, they, they don't even know who I am. Jonathan who? Um, 
You know, I went online last night. It was funny. Ever, anyone ever get into a, a on a rabbit trail and you're looking? I'm, I wonder if they. I wonder if there's anything. There used to be something there. Jonathan Wilson came out, and I, my name's not even there anymore. They don't even know who I. But hey, God knows. I had an idea, and I sowed money into that. And that money has made a difference in so many people's lives. See, our finance is not just for eating, it's for sowing. And when we live with that margin and the heart regulates the hand, our finance can make a difference in people's lives. And I want to encourage you, let's look at the resource that comes into our life as resource that has potential to make a difference. Thank you for partnering with us. Thank you for all those who faithfully tithe. If you haven't yet take, taken the step to tithe, I encourage you to do that. There's one of these cards on your seat. It's called Give God 90 Days. Put God to the test. You say, what? Put God to the test. Yes. It's the only place in the Bible where he asks us to put him to the test. Try me now in this, he says. I encourage you to do that. If you haven't done it, fill it out, put it in your Bible, or better still, uh, give it to us and, and, and uh, just, you know, whatever you feel comfortable with. But take that step. Here's the thing about tithing. There are two types of people. One type says, I can't afford to tithe. The other type says, I can't afford not to tithe. I have crossed the, thresh I've crossed the threshold of uh, that over 40 years ago. I don't even think about it now, except that I can't afford not to tithe. I can't afford not to tithe because I know that it's the best investment that I can make because I'm honoring God and He's going to bless it. So maybe it's time to take that step, cross that threshold, to put God to the test, see what He'll do. But let's live beyond that and let's make a difference through our generosity and make a difference in our world in India as we support those kids in uh, Santa Ana where we give out food every week in the community there and in all that we do out of the life of the church can you say amen to that amen would you stand with me I'd love to pray with you as our worship team come Father God I thank you for each and every person here I pray that your word would take root in our hearts. I pray that we would be inspired, inspired by your generosity, inspired by all that you've done for us. Help us to make a difference. We thank you, Lord, that you say in your word that we should not do anything grudgingly or out of obligation or out of necessity, but out of a cheerful heart and open spirit. And so I thank you today for the grace that you give to each one of us. And Lord, may we know what it is to live not in survival or even success, but in a place of significance. And we thank you for your goodness in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If you've never made a decision to accept Christ as your Savior, whether you're here in person or whether you're watching online, or maybe you've made a decision in times past, but you've never, uh, you, you've kind of wandered away, strayed away maybe, got distracted, 
and you want to make a recommitment of your life to Christ, I want to give you that opportunity today. Whether you're watching online, as I said, or whether you're here in person, we're going to pray a prayer. And when we pray that prayer, God is going to hear the cry of your heart and He's going to answer. And you're going to know what it is to experience forgiveness, God's presence, a sense of divine purpose, and a sense of a sense of the assurance that when we go out into eternity, we'll be in heaven with God, knowing His eternal peace and presence. If you want to pray that prayer today, pray it from your heart as all of us pray together. Heavenly Father, I come to you today in the name of Jesus. And I open up my heart and I receive you, Jesus, as my Savior, my Lord. I ask you to forgive me. Give me a brand new start. And I thank you that today you have wiped my slate clean. I'm a new creation. I have a new beginning. You are living on the inside of me. And I'm going to live with a sense of purpose. With you. Following you. Walking with you. Knowing your presence. Every day of my life. 